everybody, let's start with a little cold open. If you didn't know this, uh, I'm back on Patreon. If you'd like to subscribe to my Patreon, it's pretty easy. Go to patreon.com forward slash pretender to contender. It's a great way to support the podcast, get all kind of cool stuff. Go check it out. Patreon.com forward slash pretender to contender. Also, if you're interested in advertising on the podcast or on my TikTok feed, which is at 83,000 right now, all you have to do is email me directly at matteris67 at gmail.com. What gigs do I have coming up? January 20th, I'll be at the Parks Casino in Ben Salem, PA. January 21st, that's the day after that, I'll be in uh, Fairfield, Connecticut at the Fairfield Theater Company. Then uh, a big show that I'm promoting. This is a Save the Date show. February 12th, it's the Saturday before Valentine's Day. I'm doing a show with uh, my buddy, who's a DJ, who has a kind of a following down there, and we're doing a show together where, uh, for Valentine's Day, it's going to be a stand-up show with me, and I will have an opener there. And uh, for the price you pay to get in, there's going to be like a dance party afterwards in the hotel. It's going to be at the Doubletree Hotel in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. That's Saturday, February 12th, the Saturday right before Valentine's Day. And if you want to come from out of town, you can because it's in a hotel and we're getting special uh, block rate rooms for all the people coming to the show that want to... uh, Stay over. Make a real uh, couple's night out of it. Uh, my wife will be with me. We'll be staying overnight there. It should be fun, man. It's like a, it's a, it's a great hang for anybody who is a fan of me. Okay? I would love that. And uh, the ticket link, it should be out in the next day. But save the date because it's definitely happening on February 12th. And all these dates are available on JoeMatteris.com. Okay? All right. Let's start the show. Welcome, everybody. Pretender to contender. You guys hate the you hate the title. I've been telling people have been telling me they hate the title. They're like, why doesn't it just the Joe Mattery show? Like it should be the Joe Mattery show. I'm like, do you know what would happen if I tried to change the title of my podcast again? <laughs> do you know the abuse I would get if I changed the title again? And my, uh, I guess you could say my friend now over there at Silk City Hot Sauce, who's going to be doing some stuff on my TikTok soon. Silk City Hot Sauce guy, Jeff Levine, he's like, fuck him. Just change the name. Who gives a shit? <laughs> She's right. But I'm like, isn't it always been the Joe Mattery show? I mean, no matter what the title is, it's the Joe Mattery's podcast, right? I mean, come on. Has it ever changed? Maybe the theme music changed. Maybe uh, the logo changed. But has the show has not changed much. It's just kind of, uh, it is what it is, you know? Sometimes we do a whole bunch of episodes that are all about trying to take people from pretender to contender as stand-up comedians. And then there's other episodes where we just leave that behind. I'm not in the mood to talk about that, which uh, some people that are real uh, podcasters, as a seminar I watched recently, they'll tell you that's a terrible idea. You got to get really specific. And you heard me a few weeks ago going, I'm going to get really specific. Every time I get really specific, I get really fucking bored. Every fucking time. Every time. Even with stand-up. When I get really specific, I'm like, oh, man, I miss talking about whatever I felt like talking about. You know? Uh, So, you know, because stuff happens and you just want to talk about it. That's what's great about a podcast, you know? So so this episode really isn't going to be about stand-up comedy. But it kind of is because something big 
at least at the top here. And and I should say really quick here before I start talking about some of the things I want to talk about for this episode, we have a great guest at the end of the episode. Uh, as I've been having over the past weeks, you know, um, Miley, uh, Miley, Mila, Mila, Mila Kunis, Kunis, Mila, Mila, and uh, Ashton Kutcher. Then Sylvester Stallone was on for like three minutes, and now this week. Matthew McConaughey at the end of the episode here. We have uh, about an 11-minute interview with him, and it was really great, really great. All about his new book that he's got out, his memoir, and you got to go, uh, you got to get it. It's great, even though uh, I haven't read it yet. I told him I haven't read it. My, my dad read it and loves it, and I, I've been meaning to get it. I want to get the audio book of that, because I just, I just like his voice. All right. All right, all right, Joe. Okay. All right. Okay, Joe. All right. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't do that to him when I'm talking to him. That would be humiliating if I did that. He came on, and I was like, all right, all right, all right, tell me about it. Okay, tell me about the book. And he'd be like, what the fuck? I did not do that. I'm me interviewing him. So uh, wait for that at the end. But uh, sad comedy news, and I found out late. I found out last night as I was driving home from Atlantic City when you're when you're in Atlantic City, it's like, for me, it's like I'm in a biodome. It's like I didn't leave the hotel casino for three days. It was freezing outside. It, it snowed the morning I went there. And, uh, you know, and my car's in the lot. I'm not going to take it out and put it back in again. I'm just there. So it's like, uh, it's almost like you're kind of in the mall for three days. And I don't mind it. I kind of like it. I kind of like that. Just it's like it's like a decompression chamber for me when I get to go to one of those gigs, or just me alone in a casino like the Borgata, and uh, just kind of having the the big hotel room to myself. I just I don't know. I I like it. Not for a week though. I I usually really miss my wife and kids bad if it's a week, but the three or the four days, ah. Uh, perfect love it so i got the news about bob saget's passing last night as i was driving home at about nine 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 thirty i didn't i didn't have the news on i was just i don't know i was watching football most of the day they didn't really bring it up during football games i don't know what time he passed away somewhere in the afternoon i was told and i posted I posted on my social media because I met him once and it was for a really short amount of time. But it was one of those quick moments where you could just tell the kind of person this person was, even though it was a short interaction. I always think I'm a pretty good judge of people. And I always thought this about Bob Saget. And then, you know, over the years, I've heard nothing but great things. And then Yesterday, after he passed away, lots of people talking about how nice of a guy he was. And he was so nice to me. And I'll never forget it. Because it was at a time where I was pretty insecure. I was in a weird state. I had a development deal with NBC. I was going to be making my own sitcom on M NBC. They were writing the pilot. I had money from the holding deal. I'm living in L.A. I'm living off this money. I'm with Gersh, who's like a big agency out there. They signed me because I had all this heat going on. Uh, I had this guy, Michael Goldman, as a manager. He was managing me and Nick, Nick Cannon and this other guy who went on to be uh, on Saturday. He went on to be on Saturday Night Live. He was like a teenager then. And he was the one who got me the development deal. So, uh, <coughs> uh, so I was this when I met Bob Saget. It was right after they dropped the show. Like they decided not to even shoot the pilot. You still get the holding deal money, but you could become the next Kevin James or Jerry Seinfeld or Ray Romano. You're thinking I'm going to get my own sitcom on NBC, right? And it doesn't happen. They, they decide not to pick my show up and pick up a different show instead. And I'm feeling pretty shitty. And all I have left is, uh, is stand-up. You know, I'm like, all right, 
back to the comedy clubs. It didn't happen, but maybe I'll get another one. Maybe I'll get another deal. Back to comedy. And I'm feeling so shitty, though. And I'm running through all the money. I'm living off of this this development deal money in L.A. And uh, I'm starting to suck at comedy, too, because I'm not doing it nearly as much as when I was living in New York. I was getting up. I was going on stage four times a night, every night, every night. Boom, four nights, four shows, four shows, four shows, four shows. And then making the money of, you know, they don't pay a lot in New York City, but you start going, you know, it's 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 not that bad. You're, you're doing this many spots. You're getting paid over and over. I'm working every club in New York City. And then I go to L.A. I'm working at like once a month at the Laugh Factory, maybe once a month at the Improv in L.A., maybe an occasional side room. The only gigs I can get are when I fly all the way back to the East Coast and I do some weekend somewhere, and then I fly all the way back again. So it was a weird time. I was single. I was down. I was depressed. Ah, I thought I was going to be single forever. And I, I went up on stage at the Improv, which was always a club that was hard for me to do really well at. It was very dead during the week. You know, it's not like New York City where you get regular people coming into the audience. When you are in the audience at a comedy club in Los Angeles, it's all comedians, actors, writers. It's just like everyone's in the business. There's no just regular people. And 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 there's no one there. It's classic. Like on a Saturday night at the Improv back then, it would be kind of dead. It would even be crowded. Saturday night at the Saturday night in New York City, if you're at the clubs, they're packed usually. And I don't know. I went up and I just got really honest on stage. I still remember it and had a really good set, which was so rare for me in that place. And I come off. And Bob Saget is sitting there in one of the booths. And he comes up to me and he goes, really funny, man. Really funny. I Really funny. And I was just like, wow, thank you. Like, it just, it caught me. Like, I couldn't believe, like when someone, and he was really famous back then. Very famous. I mean, he still was still really famous now. But a lot of people didn't know what he was doing. They didn't know he was directing movies and doing all these things, you know. And back then, he was just on TV all the time. So it just, uh, it made me go, okay, you are a good comedian. Like, always used to doubt my comedy. And I'm back to doubting it again. I'll be honest. As a stand-up comedian, like, some you people that listen, you probably like my stand-up. And I thank you for that. But... I don't know if this is just part of being a stand-up comedian. I always thought they were, you know, other guys are better. You know, I was always like, and I'd be, I, I used to get intimidated sometimes when they would be in the room. I never liked doing stand-up when like the comics were there. You know, and it still happens to me occasionally, where if I if someone there was like doing really well, like their career's on fire, it can get my head for a second. Uh, so that, that little moment when he said, you're funny, man. And it, you could tell he wasn't just fucking with me. Like I struck him, you know, cause I know I do that when I, I don't know if it's because Bob Saget did that. And, and the other guy I've only had do that to me is believe it or not, is Adam Sandler once came up to me and said, I, he really liked my stand up, And it was like, wow, it's like really awesome when someone says that. Cause you know, they're not. You know, like sometimes your comedy friends might go, oh, you're really funny. Or, or the, 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 you know, and you never know, like, if they really think you're good. And, and, and usually those are the guys I think don't think I'm good. The ones that are in my uh, in my circuit. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just part. I always thought if you're a comedian and you think you're hilarious, you suck. I just, <laughs> that's how I feel about it. You're not supposed to be cocky. In comedy, it's weird. In sports, they teach you, be cocky, be aggressive. It works in sports. But there's something about stand-up comedians. The, I, could, I could name a few that are cocky. And they're never, they're never the ones. 
that you go, oh my God, like that guy's brilliant. Like Dave Chappelle, he is na- like he's cocky now, you know, like you'll hear him call himself the goat and all that. But like when he was coming up, he didn't do that. And I used to, you know, see him at a lot of the clubs and we were coming up together and uh, he, he, yeah, he didn't walk around like I'm the shit, I'm the greatest comedian. Bill Burr didn't do that either. They were just, they just went up and were great, you know? So uh, that's just, it's really the only story I wanted to say about Bob Saget. It's really all I really know to talk about. And it's sad, man, 65. And and that he just had like a great set and he just went back on the road and then he tweeted with a picture. Just did two hours on stage. Didn't realize I did two hours. I, I'm back to being addicted to stand up. And every comedian knows that feeling like, when you stop doing it and then you go back to it and you you remember how much you loved it when you were like young and coming up as a comedian, you feel that again when you kind of like this during this coronavirus when we stopped doing stand up and when I got to go do a live crowd again, like I didn't care. I remember I was standing outside. It was it was in a parking lot in a fucking parking lot in Astoria, Queens out behind a diner and cars were there and they were doing it drive-in style and then there was like 15 people sitting at tables in front of the cars (laughs) like like two years before that i would have been like this is the worst gig i would have been pissed now i'm like this is so fun i love doing live comedy so for him to tweet that out and then pass away in his sleep it's just crazy it's just crazy. And and a lot of people have been saying this in the last day that it I guess cuz he was just young enough that you, and 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 not like it didn't seem like he was a drug guy or you know like he wasn't like super overweight and someone passes away or he had bad heart problems or had cancer like it seems like he might have just had a heart attack in his sleep. And when you hear those you just go, "Wow." And and a lot of people have been saying this, that something about Bob Saget's death has made you realize that life is short, man, and you're not guaranteed a long life, and you should really enjoy it while you're alive. Like, every day, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Go out of your way to keep it in your head, man. Because here's a guy, I mean, you look at the picture that he tweeted, he looks looks great, (laughs) looks healthy. It's just fucked up, but it it is what it is. And that's what I'm going to take away from Bob Saget's passing. Enjoy life, man, and and be nice to others. You can be nice to others. Say nice things to people. Don't write on the internet and say negative shit. It's just, it's, it's, why? Just be nice to people. That's what he was. I always try to be nice to people, always. You first, letting people in the elevator before me. You first, you first, opening doors. I try to be a gentleman, and I try to say nice things. Comedian's funny. I go tell him. I tell him that he's funny. Not that I'm some giant. He might be more famous than me, but it's still, it's just nice, you know, when someone who does what you do takes the second, because it only takes a second, and says, hey, you're good. You're good at what you do. So thank you, Mr. Saget, as I said on, um, I think it was on my Instagram or my Twitter. So this past weekend, I was at the Borgata in Atlantic City, and it was classic, man. It was classic. I worked with, uh, I worked with this guy, Jeff Norris, who... I haven't worked with him in a really long time, and I hadn't even seen him in a long time. And him and I, uh, we we hit it off. We hadn't seen each other in a while. It was nice. And uh, this girl, uh, Katie, Katie Hannigan, who uh, is really funny too, her boyfriend. Uh, it, was, it was funny. We had a moment in the green room because I knew she was dating this comedian, Mike Vecchione, that I know. And I had him on my podcast in the past, and I've been on his podcast Mike's a great guy, and he's such—he's a great guy. So I knew she would be really nice, and she was. She was fun to uh, hang out with and work with this weekend, and uh, it was funny because she got at one point 
I think it was the first night we were sitting there in the green room waiting to do our sets, and uh, we were talking about different things. And at one point, she goes, "You know, my boyfriend's Mike Vecchione, right?" And I and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I go, "I didn't want to say anything because you never know what comedians. You bring something up, and the next thing you know, they go, "Oh, we're not dating anymore. We broke up." Because comedians dating other comedians, that's usually, you know, it's usually a tough relationship. It seems like it's popular now in comedy. It used to be frowned upon when I was coming up for some reason. I don't know why. I mean, I, I dated a few comedians. It never lasted more than like a week. It was just never a good mix. I dated a girl for eight years that I met at an open mic. And then as soon as we started dating, she stopped doing stand-up. She was like, no, I, I can't. I can't be a newbie comic and date a guy who's a, a working comic. I was like, why? Who gives a shit? You should do it. You're funny. And she was funny. And I used to just try to push her into it. But she didn't want to do it. And she ultimately didn't. She got into acting for a while. And uh, I don't know if she still does any acting. We're, we're still friends. And my wife knows that I'm friends with my ex-girlfriend. And I'm friends with... She's married now. I'm friends with her husband, too. Haven't seen her in a while, though. A uh, little shout out to her if she happens to listen to my podcast. Hey, Jen, what's up? <laughs> um, so, 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 yeah. So, Borgata, Atlantic City, working with Katie and uh, and Jeff. We had good shows there. Uh, it was fun, man. It was fun. You eat in a cafeteria. It's pretty funny when you when you work there. You eat in the employee cafeteria. And I I can remember. Years ago, when I was young, like I didn't like working in casinos and eating in the cafeteria. I used to just go, they give it to you for free. And I used to just want to go eat in one of the restaurants on my own. And I would spend the restaurants are so overpriced, you know, so you could spend a lot. So I would do that. And now it's like funny as you get older, like I look forward to going into that employee cafeteria. I love it. (laughs) I don't know why. Something changed for me. I'm like, I don't give a shit. And I tell you what, it makes you, that's another one, like the Bob Saget thing makes you realize, you know, to be nice to people and life is short. When I go in there and I'm eating, there's something about watching people that work in a casino and I'm sitting there with them and I'm in my sweatpants and like a t-shirt, right? And they're wearing, you know, they're either, they're either pit bosses or they're cleaning people that work in the casino and the in, cleaning the hotel rooms. They they work in restaurants or they uh, or they, you know, they they deal craps or blackjack or whatever. There's just something about it when you're sitting in there and you see them and they're on their lunch break. You realize ninety nine percent of people in this world have a job that's fucking hard. Like that can't, that's got to, that is not an easy, it looks like it's fun for an hour to deal blackjack, but can you imagine doing it for eight hours a day, like five, six days a week and how like that could get monotonous, but you're, you know, it's, you're doing it for the paycheck. It just, uh, it, it, it really makes you notice. It's almost like you feel like you're in a steel factory and everybody just took their goggles off and went to eat. Like when you're seeing it. Uh, it makes me really appreciate that I get to do something that I love and that I don't have to kick the living shit out of my body to do it, to do stand-up. So, uh, so it was fun. It was fun to be in Atlantic City. I had a friend that I grew up with come down on the Saturday night, and uh, it was funny. Him and I going out was fucking classic. We've been friends since kindergarten. He was the only one out of all my friends, as you heard last week's podcast. They all canceled because of COVID, and he's like, I don't give a shit. I'm still coming. I'm like, all right. But he didn't stay overnight. Like, all the guys were going to stay overnight if all my friends came, but he just came. We hung out till, like, 2 in the morning, and then he drove all the way back, and uh, we went out to dinner. We shot the shit. We had a few drinks. We went to, like, this club, which was hilarious. It's just hilarious. When you're old and you get to go in the clubs, it's so fucking funny. But this club, everybody in there was, like, our age, which is even funnier. And you just watch these people from a distance, and they're they're so, they're all done up. You know, it's like they, they feel like they're at the Oscars. You know, they're like, yeah, man, I'm going to go to the casino, and they're, I'm dressed up, and I'm going to dance. You know, and they're just having the fucking times of their life, you know, and you're just going, 
wow, you know, like you just, it's just fun. I don't know. I, I, I had a great time just watching all these people just having the time of their life, you know? Uh, and, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just, uh, I, I, I don't know if I'm in this weird zone tonight for this podcast, but I feel like I'm in this appreciative mode, you know, and I'm, I'm looking forward to all these gigs that I have coming up in the next month and a half praying they don't get canceled. I got all these gigs I talked to you about at the top. Then I'm supposed to go to Florida for a whole bunch with my wife and kids. They're going to come after I do the tour, and we're going to spend some time together in West Palm Beach. I'm looking in in February. I'm so looking forward to that when it's freezing out, which it's like fucking 15 degrees right now in New York. It's cold as shit. Um, And some of the other uh, podcasts, Listeners have always said they always want to hear about my kids and my and my wife and stuff. So I'll share this with you. I thought this was pretty classic. Our TV died. We have a TV above our fireplace, and it just fucking wouldn't wouldn't turn on one day. And uh, I took my daughter because she got an iPad for Christmas, and she went to. Uh, it's a long story. We had a, we didn't want to tell her that. I feel like I have to whisper now because she's probably not sleeping yet. But we had. To, We don't want to tell her there's no Santa, but uh, we ordered the iPad, and then Best Buy didn't have it on Christmas Eve like they were supposed to. I bought it because they said they would have it on Christmas Eve, and they didn't. So now what do you do as a parent, right? You're like, fuck. That was the big gift, too. That That was the big gift that she was getting, and she handled it well. So we told her that, um, I'm trying to think of my wife had the idea to. What did she say? She told them told her that we we were gonna get her a um an iPad and uh from us and that it was gonna um and we found out it was gonna be late so we gotta wait because it uh we ordered it but it's not in yet. So I took her to uh Pest Buy when it finally came in. And I don't think she had not since she was like really young has she been to like a Best Buy where you go in and there's just fucking massive TVs everywhere. Man, she she turned into me. Like she was like, oh my God, dad. Like she wanted one, she wanted like an 80 inch television. She's looking at all these huge TVs. And I know for a fact, like my wife, she hated that. I think we had like a 46 or a, it was a 46 inch TV. It wasn't even a 50 above our fireplace, brick fireplace. And it was always a little small to me, but my wife was fine with it. She hates the way big TVs look above this fireplace that we had built when we bought the house, right? With all antique brick, we wanted to have like an exposed brick look about it with this fireplace. And now my daughter is walking around Best Buy, and now all of a sudden, when our TV dies, she's like, we got to get a 70-inch, we're going to get a 70-inch. And my wife's like, doesn't know what to say to her. My daughter actually started crying. <laughs> crying if she didn't get the 70-inch. You would have thought my my daughter was in some sort of cahoots with me. And I was like paying her on the side and telling her, turn on the tears and we'll get the 70-inch television. <laughs> it was so fucking funny. Uh, so... To, to try to get the TV, we sold my wife on this because we went online and Samsung makes this TV called The Frame. And I don't know if anybody has this TV, but the thing's pretty incredible because it has a bevel, bezel, I guess you call it a beveled uh, picture frame that snaps around the TV. It's magnetic. And the TV has all these settings so you could put artwork on the TV and it looks exactly like artworks on your TV. And what makes this TV so cool and realistic, it has a special mounting system. So it mounts snug to the wall. And it has this thing called a one box with this one wire that everything is in that wire, right? But there's all these weird specs with this TV. It's really complicated to figure out, to mount. I got a brick wall. It's really fucking difficult. And then finally, I was like, it was three times the amount. You can it's unbelievable, but believe it or not, you can get a sixty-five inch television now between uh five hundred and six hundred bucks. Like a, a good one. Four K. It's unbelievable that, that you can get them for that. But that's what you can get them for. And then this frame TV was like 
1900, right? And then after you'd have to get them to install it and do these other things and get this this special uh uh what do you call the uh the speaker that goes underneath it. The the sound bar, right? The sound bar. You're going to I was going to put a white sound bar cuz my wife wanted to put the white picture frame around it. It was going to be like 2800 bucks by the time we got done. I'm like, I can't spend that kind of money on that. It's just ridiculous. I'd rather spend it on something else. So then I went online and looked, and I'm like, this is easy to make a picture frame. It's really easy. I had a crown molding and distress it white, paint it white. I'll distress it to match my white, um, my white mantle on my fireplace. And you put these little hooks, and you can hook it right onto the TV. And just go buy the five or six hundred dollars sixty-five inch and save yourself money, you know. So that that's what we're doing with that thing, and it's just it was just classic. I thought that my nine-year-old daughter is all of a sudden into television shit and tech stuff. She's so like me. She's the one that she like. She got the iPad now. She's making these little short films. If I was allowed to show you them on uh, on my social media, I would. Because they're so fucking funny. Like, they're hilarious. She makes these three-minute... You know, those you can make these fake trailers on iMovie that look like real movie trailers. Hers are fucking hilarious. She just whips them up, and she comes over, and she's like, look. And I'm like, can I post this thing? Can I?" She won't even let me show it to my dad. She's like, don't even let me send it to anybody. She's like shy, but not shy. I don't know if anyone... This kid is like that, you know? That's weird how you can want to be a performer, but you're shy at the same time. I think that's how it starts out, though. Don't you think? When when you're young and you have this performing tendency, you're, you're young, you're just like, eh, you don't, you kind of, you know, I used to perform alone in my basement, man. All the, I was trying to do stand-up, listening to comedy albums alone at 15, 16 years old, you know, just down there with a microphone by myself being weird so uh i'm i'm curious to see where she's gonna go as she gets older and what it's gonna turn into because she's she's fucking funny man she cracks me up and she's smart with her comedy too it's just oh i love i don't know if it's just because i'm her dad i don't think it is like I, i i think it's just funny so um and 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 what's going on with my son right now is kind of classic because he uh he got weights he got weights for Christmas. He's at that age, you know, 14. He, all Him and all his friends got black tank tops. It's hilarious. Black guinea tees, which is classic because I remember when I started dating my wife, she found a black guinea tee in one of my drawers, and she told me never to wear that around her. And she's like, "You actually, you should get rid of it. <laughs> she had things that she just made me stop doing. It's hilarious. Anything that was like a Guido tendency. I used to have a hairdryer <laughs> with a brush on the end. And my friends used to bust my ass over it. Oh, my God. Remember those hairdryers? It was like a Conair, uh, Conair um, blow dryer. But it had the brush that clipped on it. And you could like dry your hair and like feather it back and brush it at the same time. I had one of those when I just started dating her. And she's like, you got to stop using that. Just just dry your hair. Just dry your hair with the air. You don't need to have the brush on. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how she told me what to change, and I did. And then I can remember on the third date with her, I told her she should wear lipstick. She'd look good in, like, red lipstick. <laughs> she's like, no. I am who I am, and I'm not changing. It's fucking funny to me that I changed so much fucking shit. Like that, like that's where that joke flipped. That shitty husband came from. It was like she gutted me and changed me. Therapy, medication that I went on. Don't wear this shirt. Don't do that to your hair. <laughs> fucking funny. Uh, and where am I now? Where am I now, huh? Maybe you fucked up something good. I would have been the funniest guy with the with the hair dryer with the brush feather in my hair, hair back. <laughs> but my son, yeah, man, all of a sudden he's into the weights, got the tank top, you know. You know he's going to the girls are coming yet. I don't know my he, he's in ninth grade. He has not uh haven't had, hasn't had a girlfriend yet. Haven't had a hasn't seen him seen him with a girl. I've heard him 
he talks about girls, says he likes girls, but there hasn't been one yet. I guess he's shy. We'll see. I had girlfriends by like 7th and 8th grade. I don't know if you guys did. I kissed my first girl in 5th grade. I remember making out with girls all the time in 7th and 8th grade. That was the make-out years, right? Those were the days. But, you know, we had teen dances and roller skating rinks and, you know, arcades that were everyone hung out at. Like, they don't do anything now. They sit in their fucking bedrooms playing video games. So it just sucks. And then and COVID made it even worse. It's just they, they can't do anything, man. But this is pretty funny that he's he he texts me all the time now. I'll be like, Dad, bench one forty. He just sends me these texts. They'll be like at midnight because he knows I'm up late. You know, he's at his friend's house. There's you know they're hanging out, sleeping sleepovers in ninth grade. It's usually somebody's house with a bench. They all have benches now. Like like I said, he has one down in the basement. And all the kids, you know, I, I can remember that, too, when I was a kid, getting all the weights and just lifting weights, and it would be be really fun seeing how much you could bench. But uh, it, I couldn't help but think it, it just it just remended, remind, remended, remind me of this the classic Bookie Night scene, which I actually was like, oh, I got to play this on today's podcast when I talk about my son and, and him bragging about how much he's benching. You remember the scene with... Uh, Mark Wahlberg and uh, and uh, Burt Reynolds and uh, why am I forgetting his name? Who's the other guy from uh, Jesus? Come on, of course the great great John C. Riley. Yeah, that's who I meant. <laughs> He's the one. So here here's the scene <coughs> when Burt Reynolds is introducing uh, Mark Wahlberg's character to John C. Riley's character at the. Uh, at the little party over uh, Burt Reynolds' house. Fucking classic. Here you go. Hope you enjoy this. Great people. Oh, yeah. One hell of a man. Hey, Reed. Reedo. I want you to meet the new boy on the street. Eddie Adams. Hi, Eddie. Hi, Eddie. Reed Rothschild. I want you to stick around for a while, okay? Sure. Make himself special. All right. So you live on the street? No, no. Oh, I thought Jack just said you did. No. You want a drink? Sure. Margarita? Great. Wow. Two, four, mm, whatever. Can I ask you something? Uh-huh. Do you work out? Yeah. Yeah, you look like it. What do you squat? Two. Super. Super. What do you squat? 350. Wow. No BS. That's a lot. Where do you work out? Torrance, where I live. Cool. Hey, you ever go to Vince's out here? Oh, no. I would have seen you. I'm there every day. I've always wanted to work out at Vince's. Cool, here. Taste that. Rock and roll, right? Hey, did you ever see that movie Star Wars? Oh, about four times. People tell me I look like Han Solo. Really? What do you bench? You tell first. I asked you first. Same time. Cool. Are you ready? Ready. One, One two, two, three. three. You didn't say anything. Oh, neither did you. <laughs> hey, guys. Look <laughs> <laughs> Fucking classic. Fucking classic scene, man. You go first. You go first. You go first. Uh, makes me want... I'm, I, I might have to do that tonight after this podcast is over. I'm going to go downstairs and watch the whole Boogie Nights. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while. So, uh, so yeah, man. We got a... Uh, we got a great we got a great interview coming up with with Matthew McConaughey. I really had fun with this. He was really cool. He was really nice, and uh, I I super appreciated him taking the time out to let me uh, talk to him for a few moments there. And uh, just want to uh, just want to get to the interview right now. And you guys, uh, thanks so much for being podcast listeners. And as I said at the beginning, 
If you want to support the podcast, please go to my Patreon and subscribe. That would really help me out a lot. Patreon.com forward slash pretender to contender. Okay? Patreon.com forward slash pretender to contender. To subscribe and get all kind of added features and all kind of cool merch and a lot of other stuff. Go check it out. We'll be right back with Mr. Matthew McConaughey. Hello, Matthew. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. This is really cool. So what's going on? You got a book out? Book out. Got green lights. Trying to catch him. Trying to get him. <laughs> I mean, what makes you want to do a memoir? I mean, you're a huge fucking megastar who's probably always getting hot chicks, right? You look like you're always doing ab crunches and eating grilled chicken and mixing up egg whites. I mean, what else do you need to do? I mean, you're just amazing. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. What? Another, another way of communicating. Uh, you know, what I do in my day job as an actor, um, it's got four filters, from the raw expression there's what i there's my raw expression there is what's being recorded there's what's being edited and there's what's being put on the screen okay. um i wanted to do something where i got rid of the filters writing a book there is one filter because it's the written word mm-hmm. um what you do what we're doing now when you do stand up that's no filters you know that's the direct it's live the the, mm-hmm. the big show is always recording uh sort of ultimate goal but i wanted to uh i wanted to put it down and say hey i want to i'm part of these movies they're usually so written by somebody else directed by somebody else edited by someone else financed by someone else. i was like no i want to go direct my own movie i want to produce my own movie well, how do i do that i want to put the words on a page and i'd been writing for 36 years so i had a lot of content to go through and see if it was something worthy of sharing. You've been you've been keeping a journal for 36 years? I mean, that's something I could do for like a few weeks, which I actually did once, believe it or not. Someone told me to get that book, uh, The Artist Way, to help cure this writer's block I was going through. And in the workbook, it tells you that you need to do these, uh, what do they call it? Uh, uh, they call it... Um, Morning pages, that's what it's called. Morning pages, do your morning pages every day, just write, just write, just write. And, you know, I did it for like a couple of weeks, but, I mean, 36 years? I mean, that's an impressive run. You're like the Lou Gehrig of journal writing. I mean, why do you feel that that's so important? In my early 20s, um, I remember I was I was kind of rolling. I was in college, I had a job, I had money in my pocket, I had a, I had a nice girlfriend, uh, making my grades, my relationships were good. And I remember going, oh, you hadn't been writing in your journal near as much. Uh, notice you don't do that so much when things are going well. And I said, I think you better start writing down things when things are going well. I mean, my, go- my idea was that, hey, you're going to get in a rut again. You'll lose your frequency again in life. You might want this to go back and look at to help you recalibrate. And that proved to be true. Um, you know, so many times we dissect failure and, 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 and hardships in our life, but we don't dissect success. And going back in those journals, I found that there were times when I got in a rut later and I was able to go back to those journals and go, what were your habits when you were rolling, man? Who were you hanging out with? Where were you going? What were you eating? What were you drinking? How much, how much sleep were you getting? How are you looking at life? And they'd helped me recalibrate in the times when I was off frequency and get back on the rails again and, and find my frequency again. What were some of the common factors when things were going great? I mean, what, like you're getting laid or are you making a ton of money or you're booking parts and only amazing movies? I mean, are you having two on ones every weekend for like six straight months? Common factors were one, check in with yourself before checking in with the world when you wake up in the morning. Really just sit there and take a little time. Um, Read a little something that's between me and me. Write a little something that's between me and me before picking up the damn phone and saying, hey, what emails came in or hopping out in the kitchen and going and everyone else is already up going, hey, hey, what's up? Take, 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 take 10 minutes to check in with me before checking in with the world. Um, What were the other things? Sense of humor. Sense of humor. Um, I found that I was laughing more. Um, My happiest times in my life when I got my wink back, man, when I got my wink, if I lose my wink. It's like, oh, I'm taking things too seriously. Um, so I had, I had more of a sense of humor. Um, didn't they take things as personal in, in many ways. Um, and 
wasn't asking permission as much <laughs> when, I, when I was rolling. What's asking permission mean? Like, were you pulling a Cosby? <laughs> I mean, I'm kidding, but what does that even mean? Well, I just asking permission about going, you know, having the confidence to b believe in something I want to do and just doing it. And saying, hey, if you ask permission, you're already creating one of those filters away from the raw expression. Just do it. It's live. You can. Well, what are your techniques to being in this winning zone as frequent as possible? I mean, the other thing that I didn't tell you was to book in the day before I say my prayers at night to go through the day, which I don't know about you, but it can be hard to remember what you had for breakfast after dinner when you're going to bed. It can be hard to remember what those first things we did in the day. So I'll go back through my day. When I'm happiest, I, I go back to my day. And I like to write a mental note of what is tomorrow. What are my plans for tomorrow? Um, that's a big stress reliever for, for me. Um, I, I think I learned it on my own. I've always been a list keeper. I love making long lists of things to do during the day. And I add everything. I add the, the simple things that you know you're going to do anyway in, in the list. You know, like kiss your wife. You know what I mean? Uh, um drop a deuce, whatever it is. I, I write things that I'm going to do just so it's more to mark off the list. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I, I do write down the take a shit because, you know, if you forget, I mean, that can suck, right? You just forget, and then the next thing you know, you're, you're shit in your pants. Remember, you know, enjoy, enjoy that or read something read something funny or, or, or have a listen to that favorite tune of yours. Something that I know because the longer the list, the more things I can mark off, that day, the more I feel like I accomplished and the more it makes it kind of easy to do the hard stuff, you know? Okay, what else? Yeah, I go through hot streaks and cold streaks on it, you know? I do it more times than others, but I've found that those are the common denominators of some of the things I do when I am the most happy. I'm not a big meditator, but my exercise, what I call breaking a sweat once a day, exercising, I find for me that is necessary because it puts a, a demarcation between all of my responsibilities. And I could times look up you know how it is if sometimes you go through the day or days and you're so busy and I'm, I'm good on autopilot at getting stuff done but everything you have to do stress comes when those responsibilities feel like they're stacked vertically on our shoulders and there's a proverbial weight on our shoulders when i go break a sweat all of a sudden all those things that were stacked vertically on my shoulders my responsibilities lay down and they're laterally out in front of me so there's no more weight on my shoulder. And I find that I get those things done better and with more enjoyment if I just go, oh, there they are in front of you. Just handle one, then hop to the next one and handle that. Then hop to the next one and handle that. I handle it much more better. But I need those. I see demarcations between my responsibilities if I go break a sweat. Yeah, working up a sweat is a key thing that is needed. I mean, right now I have Lyme disease and I, I haven't been working out. I used to always work out like four days a week, and it kept me kind of happy, kept me going. Way better. And now, Lyme disease, I'm like sleeping in, I'm sleeping like 10 hours, 11 hours, and uh, it just creates these depressive thoughts, you just, know? Just go do it. It's good for <laughs> so many things. You know, people talk about, oh, you know, no stress. I'm like, well, bullshit. It means you give a damn. You know what I mean? You're going to have stress. You're supposed to have stress. But I know I handle things better and more thoroughly and more like myself, like I want to. Um, the outcome is always better, and I enjoy doing it more if I do go break that sweat and get those endorphins going. And that presses reset for me and shows me a little – it separates all the events, like I said, laterally, and they don't feel like they're stacked up on top of me. It's, it's just totally different than when I'm hitting the gym like four times a week, getting a 60 or a 90-minute workout in. It just makes me feel way better. So how much sleep do you like to get? Nine and a half. <laughs> well, my, my I'm, I'm lucky I have a wife that says, no, 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 I'll get my seven because I'd rather handle the stuff I handle that you don't while you're sleeping that's than funny. be around you when you hadn't had enough sleep. That's, well, that's a great wife right there. Definitely. Think more clearly. You don't waste your time chasing down bullshit. You don't, you know, you do the right kind of work. You know, we all know that. I, I love hard work, but I've got many times in my life where I'm doing the wrong kind of work. I love the kind of work where I've accomplished what I needed to do during the day, and I lay my head on the pillow, and I'm exhausted because I got done what I needed to get done as best I could. I do not like the exhaustion at the end of the day where I'm like, 
man, I feel like I was just going to revolutions, man. I don't know if, if today had any ascension to it. I didn't build anything. And today was a, ugh, I, don't, I don't know if I, maybe I went backwards, you know? I don't like that kind of exhaustion. Um, and that's the kind of exhaustion that actually, I don't go to sleep well. I actually keeps me up. I like that word ascension. I'm definitely going to have to look that one up. Look, sorry, I'm sorry I got to cut you off right now. Uh, I could talk to you for hours, but my podcast, I just like to have these little, you know, short sections of really motivating people that want to go from pretender to contender. And you are at the top of my list. Uh, I wish you tremendous luck with your book. I got to get it. I want to read that book. I hear it's amazing. My dad liked it and uh, he recommended it to me. And I, I really hope to get to meet you in person sometime. I look forward to it, Joe. Thanks, man. Enjoyed talking to you. And I look forward to it doing it in person. Have a great day, dude. Thanks so much. Okay, like I said at the top of the podcast, if you want to do some advertising on my TikTok or on the podcast, just hit me up at matterese67 at gmail.com. 83,000 followers so far, and it's growing every day on my TikTok. So if you want to advertise on it, you could do some good stuff. We'll put a campaign together. We'll make some funny videos. I'll mention your, your company, whatever you want to do. So hit me up, matterese67 at gmail.com. January 20th, I'll be at Parks Casino in Ben Salem, PA. January 21st, Fairfield Theater Company in Fairfield, Connecticut. And save the date, February 20. February 20th, February 12th, the Doubletree Hotel in Mount Laurel, New Jersey for Valentine's Day. The whole the whole deal, like I explained at the top of the show, the DJ, the music, we're going to uh, I'm going to do a stand up show before that and uh, block hotel rooms going to be a little party afterwards. Good time. Save the date, February 12th. Mount Laurel, New Jersey, Doubletree Hotel. Those tickets will are, well, they're all available except the February 12th. It'll be up in like the next day or two. Just go to joematterese.com for tickets to all my live shows. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. Have a great week. Talk to you later. See you later. Bye.